I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast. On Tuesday, November 28, 2023, disgraced South Carolina lawyer Alex Murdaugh was sentenced to 27 years in prison for his financial crimes. Murdaugh pled guilty to 22 out of 100 counts, which ranged from money laundering, fraud, tax evasion, and forgery. Many of the victims of Murdaugh's financial crimes were those who had trusted him for help when they fell on difficult times. Former clients of Murdaugh were able to confront him during the Beaufort County Courthouse proceedings in South Carolina to express how much the breach of trust hurt them. Alex Murdaugh is currently serving two life sentences for the 2021 murders of his wife, Maggie, and his 22-year-old son, Paul. South Carolina Circuit Court Judge Clifton Newman, who accepted the plea deal, sentenced Murdaugh to life in prison without parole earlier this year. Jonathan Sari is a Fox News senior correspondent based in Atlanta, who was in Beaufort, South Carolina at the time of the sentencing. He joins me today to provide a detailed look at their dramatic scene from the courtroom. It was an emotional hearing. One by one, victims of Alec Murdaugh's financial crimes confronted him in court. Those victims included the family of Gloria Satterfield. She was the Murdaugh family's longtime housekeeper who died in 2018 after what was reported at the time as a trip and fall accident at the Murdaugh family home. Murdaugh told the family he would walk them through the process of filing a claim against his estate since he blamed the accident on his dogs tripping her on, on the steps inside the home. And instead, he admittedly pocketed the multi-million dollar settlement owed the Satterfield family. Gloria Satterfield's sister, Ginger Hadwin, uh, addressed Murdaugh in court saying, you are not the person that I thought I knew. Uh, but then you had another victim, Pamela Pinckney. She's the mother of a, a man who uh, became a quadriplegic after a car accident, eventually died from those injuries. Uh, she hired Murdaugh to represent her, her son uh, after this accident, and he uh, successfully won a, a settlement for her, but then admittedly pocketed uh, that, that very large settlement that she was owed. Uh, well, Miss Pinckney in court addressing Murdaugh quoted from the Bible and said, I forgive you. At times, Murdaugh uh, appeared to, to be emotional. He did address his, his victims and, and apologize for what he had done. He continued to blame uh, pocketing the money on his, his terrible drug problem. Uh, at one point, he said, quote, I did terrible things. Each of you placed your trust in me, and I was very proud of that, and I'm still today honored by that fact. Now, uh, Emily, while admitting to his financial crimes, Murdaugh insisted he was not responsible for the 2021 murders of his wife, Maggie, and their youngest son, Paul, for which he is serving two life sentences, and Murdaugh is seeking a new murder trial. We're going to take a quick break. More from our guest after this. Jonathan, something that struck me 
about the victim's impact statements included one which was a friend of Murdaugh's who said, if you had just asked me for the money, I would have given it to you. To which Murdaugh replied, I know. Can you speak a little bit about the betrayal and the level of trust and confidence that so many had in Murdaugh that we now know that he utilized to manipulate them to steal so much money from so many people? Yeah, not just in Colleton County, but f throughout much of the low country of South Carolina, Murdaugh and his family was well known. They were both respected and feared. In fact, many of the people who would eventually testify against him in his downfall initially expressed to their attorneys that they were frightened, that if things backfired, that uh, this was a man and a family that could inflict incredible damages uh, ag against them. This was a very powerful family, uh, but they were respected and there was this trust. Murdaugh's clients believed in him. His co-workers, his fellow attorneys at his law firm believed in him, uh, trusting him to the tune of sometimes millions of dollars, which he then ad admittedly pocketed. And so there was this sense of betrayal from uh, many people of means who could have helped him out if he had just asked for the money, if he had come clean about his drug problems, whatever it was, there were many people who would have uh, come to his aid, but they felt betrayed that the that he came up with essentially these, these shell games where he would promise the money later, he would borrow money, which would never be paid back, he would keep coming up with excuses, and it was only after the money was gone that he came clean and explained that he had this horrible drug problem. Uh, they, they felt that it was too little too late and th there was really this sense of betrayal. Now in his address to his victims, Murdaugh said that he hoped that at some point each and every one of his victims would feel comfortable talking to him uh, again. You have uh, the whole spectrum in that courtroom. You have folks like Miss Pinckney, who is ready to forgive him now based, based on her strong faith, but others say it's going to take a while, if ever, that they can forgive this man after what he's done. And the judge had a powerful statement as well before he um, levied the sentencing, and it matched to a degree the one that he said during the sentencing for the murders of Maggie and Paul, um, where he talked about and, and really honed in on Murdaugh's place in the community or perceived place in the community and how so many thought that they were close to him and friends and, and colleagues and thought that he was an honest and upright individual. And again, that level of betrayal went up to the judge who thought of him as a colleague, at least within the court system. And he said that the financial crimes and that greed that Murdaugh exhibited was based on a, quote, perceived increase of station, like those perceived to be lower than him, which I found as well so reprehensible and also telling, again, the, the betrayal of the community and that at the end of the day, however, this person thought that he was better than and worth more than these people in the community who had trusted him with representing them in these terrible, unfortunate circumstances, many of whom did not survive. Yeah, and uh, Judge Clifton Newman has been eloquent uh, throughout both 
the financial crimes trial and the earlier uh, murder trial in his um, in his statements uh, during sentencing, and uh, both times mentioning that that Murdaugh, as a member of the legal profession, had this added trust, this added responsibility, um, and that the that didn't make him better than anyone else. But when he uses that station to betray the community, to betray his clients to betray his his former colleagues uh, that that essentially elevates this this level of, of betrayal that he's abusing uh, the station that that society has has given him the the responsibility that society has entrusted with him and so there was this sense of, of betrayal uh, within the legal community um, the the attorneys representing the victims not just the ones who were themselves victims uh, of his former law firm uh, but the attorneys representing the victims kept bringing that up that this is someone who abused his authority and privilege as a, a respected and, and powerful uh, attorney. And so in, in both cases, the, uh, in, the, in the murder trial, the judge gave him a, a, you know, the maximum sentence of, of two consecutive uh, life, life terms. And uh, in the financial crimes case, approved the agreement that Murdaugh had reached with prosecutors. Initially, he was accused of uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 100 counts of financial crimes uh, that was reduced to 22 that he pled guilty to and then in exchange he was sentenced to 27 years in in prison that on top of the double um, the double life sentences that he's already received in in the murder case but of course he we know that he's now challenging the murder case and trying to get a, a new trial which, to your point, you know, the, the lawyer for the Satterfield family said he's guilty of all 100. You know, let's be clear here. He is guilty of all 100. He just pled guilty to 22. You know, it calls to mind, Jonathan, the Michael Avenatti case that was tried in the um, Central District of California, where the obviously there was a tax evasion component, but the theft of funds, the theft of funds from clients, uh, one of whom was paraplegic as well. Uh, but still living. And the notion that the bar takes so seriously that attorneys are stewards of people's faith and their funds and the utmost trust needs to be ensured within the system uh, because it's so crucial and fundamental to people's existences, right? And and it, it's so terribly devastating when people who are held in that high regard and trusted with so much, it's the lowest of the low, uh, to take and steal from clients, especially those types of clients here who needed it and deserved it and had no other recourse. You know, that's what, and, and as an attorney myself, it just, it, I find it so frustrating when someone, you know, of the same cloth behaves in this way because it ruins so much for so many. You know, it, it makes attorneys angry because they get so much criticism, some of it fair, much of it unfair. And so when you have a bad actor 
abusing the system in a way that 99.999% of attorneys would never consider doing. They get very angry. It's just like as journalists, we certainly face a lot of criticism, both fair and unfair. But then when you have this rogue journalist who fabricates a story, we all get very angry of them. And the other, the, the third example that I'll bring up is the church secretary, by and large, honest, wonderful people that we all rely on. But every once in a while, there's a case of the church secretary who's pilfering from the collection plate. And when they're caught, congregations are outraged because these are people that we put our trust in. That's absolutely right. Jonathan, what's next for Murdaugh? There's there's the concurrent murders appeal that he's engaging in right now. What is next for him that we can look forward to? Yeah, well, Murdo's attorneys uh, allege that the clerk of court who uh, participated in his murder trial, Colleton County Clerk of Court, Rebecca Hill, they accuse her of tampering with the jury in that trial. They uh, say that she had private conversations with jurors and that when they were deliberating, she denied them smoke breaks, which others would point out, well, that's not unusual, and that uh, they were denied adequate food and, and drink. Now, Hill denies all of these allegations, but now Rebecca Hill's son, Jeff, the former information technology officer for Colleton County government, uh, faces wiretapping charges for allegedly using his position to eavesdrop on conversations between two people who have yet to be publicly named, uh, but conversations that were apparently eavesdropped on without their knowledge or consent. The South Carolina Law Enforcement Division is investigating the son, and also uh, the, the court will have a, a hearing to determine whether there is enough evidence of jury tampering uh, to warrant a second trial. This is something that Murdaugh's attorneys are hoping for, but again, uh, the clerk of court who participated in, the, in that case, Rebecca Hill, as well as, well as attorney attorneys representing um, Murdaugh's financial crimes victims, as well as those who prosecuted uh, him for the, the murder of his, his wife and son, uh, they're all saying that, that there's really no basis for a, a second trial, that this was a, a just verdict that a, a fair and impartial jury uh, came up with and that due process was followed. Jonathan, thank you so much, as always, for your incredible reporting and insight. And we will be sure to stay tuned to you as soon as these next developments arise. My pleasure, Emily. To hear more stories like this, you can listen to our past episodes on the Fox True Crime Podcast. Go to foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts to listen and subscribe. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. If you have a story or topic you want to hear on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at truecrimepodcast at fox.com.